Welcome into the Fog.net podcast, Scott Chasen, Kansas.247sports.com, here to talk all things KU basketball, KU basketball recruiting, joined as always, Michael Swain. Swain has started writing for us, and if you've been checking out the website this weekend or this last weekend, you saw his write-up of Bill Self's early thoughts on the KU basketball team, including two complaints that Bill Self has. I don't think you'll find either of them shocking. Uh, good for Swain to, to talk to Bill Self and get that information up for you guys and also a little bit on the charity event uh, that some of the Jayhawk coaches and assistants participated in over the weekend. Bill Self originally uh, was going to scale down a building too, but uh, uh, as we learned, a little bit of an injury uh, kept him from from participating. Swain, before we jump in and talk all about the recent KU basketball recruiting news, Marquise Jacobs announcing a decommitment of sorts from the university, I would say more accurately, a parting of ways from both sides uh, from the university, a, a mutual uh, break, if you will. Uh, and any, any one takeaway or something you would like to point out from your uh, conversation, the, the small group of reporters who spoke with KU coach Bill Self? Sure. I think just the biggest thing for me that stood out with more actually with what Curtis Townsend told us than what Bill Self said, because what Bill told us, we all kind of already knew that this team needs some guys to step up from outside the arc and to be able to stretch the floor for guys like Silvieto Sosa and, you know, Doak and Dave McCormack on all the guys that are going to be down low. So I thought that what Bill Self said was, you know, kind of basic and not revolutionary. But I thought what Curtis Townsend said about the leadership on the team was pretty interesting. He had said that Doak kind of surprised him as a leader now coming back for his junior year. And he also said that LeGerald's become more vocal and that both of the Lawson twins who have competed at D1 level before are also being pretty vocal. So I thought that was more interesting than anything that Bill Self had to say, but I'm definitely going to keep my eye out on the leadership of this team. Yeah, it's, that's interesting. I don't I don't know how much I totally buy into uh, the improvement of leadership of Azubuki and Vic in terms of, I'm guessing they are better leaders, but I'm not quite sure how they're going to fill in for a guy like a Devontae Graham or even like the presence of a guy like a Svee Mikhailuk. Uh, you, you know, it was kind of the same way Svee and, and Frank Mason obviously had much more of a command of the team than a guy like Svee, especially when Devontae Graham is your vocal leader. But a lot of times those veterans just know where to be and know where to be in the right spots and know what to do and know what kind of work to put in and what's required. You saw that with Svee transforming his body. You saw it with Frank Mason becoming, you know, the best shooter in the nation, the best scorer in the nation, the best inside player in the, you know, guard in the, in the nation. You, you saw Frank Mason turn into one of the best players in college basketball in KU history as a senior. And it's one of the most storied programs of the sport. So um, I'm very intrigued to see if that's uh, maybe the staff kind of commending them publicly and saying, yeah, keep stepping it up in this regard or, or how vocal they actually are. Um, but, but very interesting stuff. Again, like I mentioned, read all about uh, what Swain wrote, kansas.247sports.com. Follow him on Twitter at mswain97. Yep, that's right. Uh, make sure you do that too. But uh, we are here today to talk all about uh, KU basketball recruiting and specifically Marquise Jacobs. So news came out Friday afternoon. Uh, Marquise Jacobs was decommitting from the university. I kind of alluded to this at the beginning um, of this podcast in that recruiting decisions are oftentimes two-sided. And you've seen this a lot on our board if you've checked out the fog.net message board that a lot of people are like, Kansas slammed the door on Marquise Jacobs. They shoved him out. They didn't want him. He sucks, whatever. Like you see a lot of that uh, as the 
the kind of quick reaction. I understand that reaction, but here's the deal. Marquise Jacobs was the yeah, fringe top 100 recruit. He committed to KU early. KU offered him early. They were on him. Chicago ties. Jaron's Howard. It's a close bond. If he doesn't progress the way that he that, that the KU staff would hope and that Marquise Jacobs would hope because he also wants to get better, there there's a lot of thought on both sides that are like, you know, I may not be able to factor into playing as much as I would want to at this university. And even on the other side, a, a coach telling a player, hey, this may not actually end up being the right spot for you. I think communication, I think honesty is always important to have on all sides. And this is a lot of speculation. But the sense that I get of this situation is that Marquise Jacobs is not dumb. He saw the situation that he'd be walking into, playing no minutes freshman year whatsoever. And maybe, you know, assuming KU doesn't add anyone in two recruiting classes over him, like maybe he starts to get into a bigger, you know, point guard role, but he's a point guard. He's not, uh, I think this was a coming together of both sides basically saying, um, this isn't the fit that maybe we thought it was, or maybe we thought it could be. And I think that's why you see the break. So uh, Swain, I'll kick it to you for just your initial thoughts when you heard the news. But my thoughts were, as you've read, you know, I posted on the website a few times, this is going to work itself out. And that wasn't me, you know, hinting at some gigantic scoop or like that. That was just common sense. These things always, always, always work themselves out and they work themselves out for both parties. Yeah. And so starting off just with my initial reaction, I was honestly kind of surprised. I thought that this was more of a match made in heaven. You think of the guys like Sean Collins and guys that have come from the Chicago area to KU and have been successful as a point guard. And it sounded like it could be another one of those stories like that. But I do think that that playing time that you mentioned is really important. And we say it all the time on the podcast. It's when you come to KU, you're always going to be recruited over year in and year out. And I wonder if that does affect someone like Marquise Jacobs, who would come in, wouldn't play much as freshman year, would have to really, really improve a lot and fight for some playing time a sophomore year. And then next thing you know, you got two more years left, your junior, senior year, where you'd hope he would develop into a Big 12 caliber starting point guard. But you also just don't know sometimes. And I think that it's interesting that he also hasn't closed the door in Kansas. You know, he said he's still considering them, but I think that uh, I don't necessarily think it, he'll end up coming to KU now because I think that also, it, it, I don't remember if you'd said it yet, but DePaul had also had kind of jumped in on his recruitment now. And they actually have a uh, a four-star guy committed there as well, a power forward, Romeo Weems. So I wonder if he could start to think, okay, he can get to DePaul or somewhere where he could play with some talent right away and hopefully be able to start right away as well. Yeah, DePaul currently has two crystal ball picks. They were both made for him right away, right after the news was announced. And one of them was from one of our Illinois writers. So I think that's something to watch because Illinois, Nebraska, Florida State all jumped in on his recruitment. Going back to Jacobs, though, I mean, this is a guy who showed some flashes over the summer of the type of kind of maybe underrated explosive guy or whatever that he could be. But he recently dropped from 107 to 137 in our 24-7 sports staff rankings. Uh, he's ranked outside the top 100 in the 24-7 sports composite. Again, that none of those things are bad. Like those, I, I mean, it's great that he is a top 110 or 150 point guard unanimously. Like that's really good. That it, It's just Kansas is obviously on 
you know, such a, a different stratosphere with, with so many of these programs. And, you know, you kind of mentioned the idea of, of recruiting over. I mean, let, let me give you the prime number one example, and you don't have to think very far, you know, very long ago to think of it. Sam Cunliffe. I, Sam Cunliffe transferred in from Arizona State. KU could use a shooting. KU could use a shooting. This team literally doesn't have shooting. That's what Bill Self says is one of their biggest weaknesses. And they still don't have the minutes to give him because of guys like LeGerald Vick and Marcus Garrett, even Ochayag Baji to an extent, Quentin Grimes. You're going to have two point guards playing together, like K.J. Lawson. You, you fill out that roster at Kansas every year. So I think for Marquise Jacobs, this was basically like a, you may not play that much in year one or year two, and maybe you will in year three, but at that point you've now committed two years, plus you might have to transfer if you, if you can't get on the court. And again, you, you mentioned it. He's got a strong relationship with Jaron Howard. I don't think KU is out of the equation if they wanted to be back in, if other things fell through. But at the same time, I definitely think it's, it's a mutual type of thing that Marquise Jacobs saw what his situation is, and I'm sure the staff didn't lie to him because Bill Self has spoken openly about that. He's not going to recruit guys with the idea of you're going to do X and then be like, actually, you're not. And I think you've seen that with you know schools like Duke and Kentucky. Their players have complained about that, and that's not saying they're taking a dishonest approach, but things change. And I think you've seen Bill Self go out of his way to say, you know, even when LeGerald Vick was returning, he, he said at a press conference, I need to talk, or, or you know, we recruited with the idea that guys were going to be in different positions. Bill Self asked the team, he asked the players, what do you think? of LeGerald Vick coming back. And even then, a kid wanted to transfer, and so KU released and, and said, go ahead and transfer. Like, th- that's – it just goes to show you. That it's very difficult to obviously play at Kansas, and, and it, it has to be the right fit. And for Marquise Jacobs being specifically a point guard, uh, I think that was always going to be a very tricky fit. Don't think this news is surprising uh, whatsoever. Did, did you kind of speak to that, Swain, a little bit? I, I mean, any any level of surprise for you? No, not – not, I mean, yes, I was surprised, but also I do wonder about the timing of it when he did drop in the rankings when that was announced. I believe it was last week. It was only a couple of days later that he announced his decommitment. So I do kind of throw it back to you then. Would you think that that has anything to do with it, the drop in the rankings? No, I don't. I, I, I don't think the staff cares that much about how we rank guys, but I, I do think it coincides if your general point is, is kind of where I think you are going with this, but like if your general point is like the fact that he is dropping and that coincides with his decommitment just in general, then I do agree. Like I think maybe not even that he's not getting better, but that he's not showing enough improvement in terms of, wow, you're a guy who's going to be able to come in and contribute and do all these things. I think that led to, I, I think that did lead to it if that's kind of what you were asking. Yeah, and I think that he's also not showing to be one of those, you know, late bloomers that ends up shooting up the rankings as the summer kind of goes on. So I think that that definitely does play into it too. All right, so now let's take a look about where KU turns to in the class because I think it's really interesting. And I want to go actually a little bit out of order here and and start with KU's most recent cuts. So the guards who have cut KU from uh, their recruitment, two of the three are Josiah James and Nico Mannion. And what I find fascinating about the two of them is they are both pure point guards. I think that tells you something. First of all, I think that means the common belief is that Devon Dotson is going to be around for two years. Or even if he isn't, that maybe a guy like Trey Mann uh, could be closer to Kansas than people previously think. Or even the idea that, you know, maybe KU just wants to take combo guards and, and the focus on pure points. Although Josiah James is now... 
Uh, we have him now listed as a combo, and he's a bigger guard. But but in terms of skill set, I mean, I don't think he's a great spot-up shooter at this point. I think he needs to improve in that area. So maybe skill set would be more you know, more valuable right away on ball, kind of more like a, like a Marcus Garrett, but with a little bit more point guard skills to start. So I think it's very interesting that a lot of the guards KU is, are, is still in on their shooting guards, their shooting guards in the sense that they're combo guards who can also shoot. Uh, they are talented drivers. They're kind of your traditional play on ball, play off ball, guard multiple positions. Some of them are a little bit bigger than your typical point guard. I think that says a lot about what KU is specifically looking for. And it, I think it also shows a lot that KU hasn't panicked and jumped in on a bunch of point guards or combo guards who are lower down in the class um, right after this news came in. You know, like Rocket Watts is a guy. I think he's a high four-star recruit, uh, played for Bill Self at the 2018 FIBA Americas. KU could easily, if they had wanted to or needed to, at least gotten on a list or gotten some kind of an unofficial or something, you know, this fall. But I don't think they feel the need at this point to go away from what their plan has been because I do think this was maybe expected or to be part of the plan. So I, I want to start at the top of the class and then, and then we'll kind of get down to some other names, starting with the highest rated point guard KU is going after, and that is Trey Mann. Uh, he is a fringe five-star guy, five-star by the 24-7 sports staff, four-star in the 24-7 sports composite. Uh, he is down essentially to UNC, Florida, Tennessee, and KU. He has reopened his recruitment, but that really just kind of seems like because UNC uh, sort of jumped in on things. But he has a visit uh, coming September 21st, and we may have a breakdown on him. And, and also RJ Hampton, I think you can look for those uh, kind of coming in the next uh, two weeks from our recruiting experts, we've been doing that series. So I think Trey Mann is, is a name to kind of turn to at the top of the list. Uh, Swain, I'll, I'll kick it to you on this. Do you think KU is even in a position where if a high four-star or five-star point guard wanted to commit to KU, uh, a traditional point guard type, they would feel comfortable doing so? Ooh, uh, that's a difficult question because I think then you get into the whole problem that you'd mentioned a minute ago about what happens at Duke and Kentucky where they say, like what happened with Wendell Carter and Marvin Bagley, where Wendell Carter is told by the Duke staff, hey, you're going to be a starter, you'll play the, the five, and you're going to get all these touches. And then they go out and get Marvin Bagley, who then, you know, as we all know, how, how well he played. So I do wonder if they're going to try and avoid going into that territory, especially with someone like Trey Mann, who is a pure point guard. And I think it's interesting, too, that if you look at, at – I like what you said with Dotson staying, that the, that's probably what the other guards are thinking, and that's why KU hasn't necessarily gone after a ton. Because if you if you look at it that way, you have two guards right off the bat, and then if you're trying to get one of these high four, low five-star guys, they're going to want to touch the ball, too. So then you're really kind of in a tough position with what do you do with Charlie Moore and Devon Dotson then, like – it's a really tough position to be in. So I do understand why they're going to go after these combo guards that can fill in in all these different roles, depending on what they need and how the rest of the class fills out. Yeah. And I'm not sure exactly how much Trey man projects as a point versus combo. I know he's definitely a scoring point guard. Uh, and, and I think he has decent range, but I wouldn't consider it elite range at this point. I, I would be, I think he could work as a shooter, but I would be a little mm -hmm. bit, uh, I'm not sure if duplicitous or, or maybe skeptical is the right word, of exactly how big a role a guy like him would have on this team right away. Now, I could be wrong. It could absolutely work seamlessly. You know, if you have three guards basically playing the one and the two combined, I think Trey Mann's 6'3 or so, uh, you know, that's 80 minutes. You split it up 26 minutes a game, boom. There's your, your I think that X 
that's 78 minutes. So there you go. All three guys get playing time, you know, even if Dotson returns. And and you've seen that. Like even the KU national championship team, very talented guys were playing not mm-hmm. very many minutes because they're just, you know, so many bodies. David McCormick is a McDonald's All-American. It will be a shock if he plays more than 15 minutes per game this year because that means – or Silvio de Sosa will have to be, you know, ineligible because just by simple way of Silvio de Sosa, uh, Diedrich Lawson – and Yudoka Azubuki, the top three big men, if they all average 22 minutes per game, there would only be 14 minutes available for him. So like, that's not a knock on David McCormick. That, that's just pure math. And, and that doesn't even account for Mitch Lightfoot or KJ Lawson at the four. So sometimes the minutes are just hard to come by. Uh, that makes him maybe a little bit more of a difficult fit. My favorite fit, uh, personally, with the high-ranked guys is RJ Hampton. I, he's a 2020 yeah. guard, if you don't know. Uh, I believe rated number four in the class of 2020. Uh, 24-7 sports staff has him a little bit lower, I think, but I think he has a good blend of on and off ball skills. I think he's trying to work more on his off ball movement uh, and trying to work more defensively too. Uh, he's a guy that KU has been on forever. I think I've mentioned this before, but but they're really putting a full court press on him. I, I think just about everyone from the KU staff at some point has made contact with him. He, he said about three coaches have at, at, at this point and again, like, uh, he's obviously got a, a lot of schools on in on him. Duke is one, but I think if he does reclassify to 2019, I think that that goes works remarkably well in KU's favor because I don't think Duke is going to have the space. If Duke takes Cole Anthony and Trey Jones returns, Duke won't have the space for a guy like RJ Hampton, even though again, little bigger, six foot four, he can, you know, score off the bounce, but obviously he's a catch and shoot guy too. Uh, he, he does need to grow into his body, but like, he he can work on and off ball, so he doesn't have to be a one, and, and maybe doesn't even have to be a two in the right system. I would just be very skeptical, especially if Duke got Josiah James too. Like, it would be very, very hard for me to see RJ Hampton reclassifying and putting himself in that situation where Trey Jones, Cole Anthony, and Josiah James were all at Duke. So I'm not saying they're going to get all three of those guys or, or return and get two of them. Uh, that would, I think, if you're a KU fan, that's what you're hoping for. You're hoping for an RJ Hampton reclassification. And maybe you are hoping a little bit that one of those guys goes early to Duke or just before RJ Hampton is totally ready to make his decision at the start of the new year. Yeah, I think RJ Hampton is like best case scenario. If you were to ask the coaching staff, like what combo guard would they want out of this class? They would, I think all of them would have to say RJ Hampton. He's just so talented. And I do think that what you said there about the Duke interest is interesting as well. If you do have all those guys that end up going there, if he reclassifies and goes there, he's doing what Trayvon Duval did last year, where he's going to be the third or fourth fiddle on a Duke team and they would just tank his draft stock. So I think that that really does help Kansas. I think that I don't know how hard Memphis is going on him, but still having Penny Hardaway and Mike Miller there. I, that still is a little bit concerning. But I think as for the fit, if you look at it, he could play the point guard if Charlie Moore and Devon Dotson aren't on the floor. And if both of them are on the floor, he could then probably play a college three. And even if one of them's on, he can play the college two. He's just so versatile. And I think that he would be a great player for Bill Self to have. Yeah, that, that's a good point on Penny Hardaway in Memphis, though. I uh, wanted to bring up, yeah, I, I mean, that they're making all sorts of ways in recruitment. We'll see who they actually get if they actually get any of these major guys. But I think Jalen Green and RJ Hampton, I want to say the commercial appeal reported that the two of them went up there, uh, I think either together or they might be going together. And and I think that just goes to show you like 
that, that, that really does speak to the, to the level of what Penny Hardaway is doing. Again, let's see if they actually like, let, let's see if it actually works out that way, you know, and, and let's see if these guys actually start committing and actually start doing whatever, but, but they're in on so many guys at the top of the class. I, I mean, you even think of like Kyra Lewis, Trenton Watford. Uh, I think they're in on maybe James Wiseman too, or, or mm-hmm. uh, I don't remember if they're in on Vernon Carey, but, but they're in on uh, 2019, 2020. They're really starting to kind of dive into things. And I think, they could have the potential to mix things up. Again, I'm a little skeptical. Uh, how many of those kids will actually land? We've seen Kyra Lewis, first domino, is not going to Memphis. So uh, clearly he's not a part of that kind of growing package deal. Chandler Lawson, another guy, obviously, um, who kind of falls into that list. But uh, again, I, I'm very interested to see what Penny Hardaway does uh, kind of in the Memphis area. I also wouldn't expect it to last long term. He was very recently a coach in the Memphis area. And, you know, five years from now, if they haven't had an elite program or if it hasn't even been a great program, uh, I think some of that will always be there because he's a Memphis legend, um, a Memphis area legend. But I I wouldn't expect every year for the top guys to be like – also, I wouldn't expect for there to be this much Memphis talent every year. I mean, you've seen yeah. it recently. The Lawson brothers, LeGerald Vick's a good example of that. Like, it, it's not going to – Memphis is not a traditional basketball power, I would say, in terms of high school basketball. Certainly not more than like what you see in you know Chicago or the Northeast or, or even out West. So um, very interested to, to kind of see how that builds. One more name I wanted to get to was Cole Anthony, the number three player in the 24-7 sports composite, number two uh, in our rankings at 24-7 sports for 2019. He is a 2019 guy. Hasn't dived in, dove in, whatever, to his – uh, recruitment a tremendous amount, but I, I think he's a good kind of, I think he's more of a point guard than RJ Hampton. I think he needs the ball in his hand to be most effective, but I, I think he is a guy who can do a lot of things. He can get to the rim. I think he's a good competitor. I think uh, uh, the staff probably likes his athleticism. I, I think, again, he's a combo guard. You wouldn't need him to be a full-time point man. And may, maybe even in the mold of like a little bit less shooting, a little bit more driving Malik Newman, that's not a perfect comparison by any means whatsoever. Uh, but just trying to give you an idea of like the level of impact. If you were trying to put an overall like player rating grade on like what level of an impact at college, just give me a flat number out of 10, his impact is going to be X. I would compare it to kind of that type of, of impact, at least on the offensive end. I think Anthony can do some things pretty well on the defensive end too. Uh, so I think he's an interesting recruit. I definitely don't think he's one K he was shut off to. And I think they're going after him fairly hard. I, me personally, would have him as my second choice just in terms of fit, not in terms of talent though, because I think he could in the right system be an incredibly, incredibly talented guard. Uh, thoughts on Cole Anthony and how he might fit into things certainly wouldn't help really with the shooting issues, I guess, in, in the upcoming class. No, that's the one area of concern I have. One of the few with Cole Anthony, I think, is the shooting, first of all. And I think with the roster outlook as it would be next year, I just I don't see how it would be a perfect fit. I think that Cole Anthony would have to sacrifice a little bit in terms of draft stock because he's going to have to be, try and fit in different positions with, you know, again, depending on who comes back at the point guard spot. So I think that I would love to see him come, but I do wonder if the shooting aspect, he's, it would just, I don't know if it's as clean of a fit. So I do wonder, I 
I do love his game. And I think he'll be a great player, but I just don't know if Kansas is necessarily the right fit for him. Yeah. And, and I think he had, like, I think he shot it relatively well this summer, but it's, it's also like you're remembering it's high school and, and shooting relatively yeah. well in the mid thirties or whatever in high school is not necessarily the same as doing it, you know, college level, let alone, you know, higher levels than that. And obviously guys do improve in that area when they get to college, but still, I think there are some things that need to be cleaned up with his form. Uh, very interesting. Jerry Meyer, 24-7 Sports, uh, a recruiting analyst called him the best point guard he's ever scouted. He based it off his basketball huh. IQ and his awareness. Uh, he basically, like, article by Kevin Flaherty, in this article, he kind of broke down that he thinks he's a very dangerous, quote, very dangerous long-range shooter. Quote, general spe- generally speaking, he has a more complete skill set. Uh, he's able to use either hand, make all kinds of shots. He's just as athletic as those guys were talking to Der- talking about Derrick Rose and John Wall. This is obviously a very bold statement. I think uh, it's not necessarily universally agreed upon, but I do think Jerry Meyer has uh, a good basketball perspective to offer, and I think it's one worth listening to. Uh, personally, what I've, like I said, what I've seen of him. I wouldn't go that far, and obviously Jerry has a lot, lot, lot more experience in, in that kind of scouting and recruiting and, and whatnot business than I do. Just seeing with the, the even the FIBA Americas or in you know some of the AAU stuff, it, it does seem like again maybe not a perfect fit. Uh, I think KU would certainly take John Wall. That is my guess. Uh, they would <laughs> probably like Derrick Rose too. Although I think Derrick Rose might have been a little bit of an overrated college player. Uh, John Wall, Ooh. best left-handed uh, dunker I have. I think I've ever seen in high school, like best offhand dunker if he, because yeah, he's not lefty. So uh, again, that's, that's a really strong comparison. I'm not sure I agree with it, but I certainly respect it coming from a voice like Jerry Meyer. Um, so I, I at least thought that was interesting and something to share. One, one more name to get to Isaac McBride. So this is a guy ranked outside of the top 300 uh, who I kind of wrote about. Uh, he really hadn't been written about in, in the KU area until uh, a small, small newspaper somewhere reported that he had an offer from KU. And uh, we we kind of found out about it on our staff and slowly kind of worked our way back. I, I spoke with him for a, a good half hour. Great kid to talk to. We, we really explored just about every topic in his recruitment. Already had two exclusives with him up on our website. Uh, you can expect two more coming probably this week, if not this week and next. He told me he's already made an unofficial visit to Kansas. He's planning on making an official visit coming soon. Uh, so really, uh, there's there's been a lot to sift through because, like I said, it's not like he's this major you know, top 100 guy. He's outside of the top 300. Uh, so there really hasn't been any uh, much at all reporting on him done uh, really before his interest with Kansas. And I, I found it interesting. Originally, he was told to keep that interest quiet because the staff was like, we don't want it being this giant spectacle. We'd like to see you focus on your game. We'd like to see what you can do without the attention. Let's see what Isaac McBride looks like. And for all intents and purposes, it seems like he really, really impressed them enough to come on campus multiple times. Uh, he's a little bit of a bigger guard than a Marquise Jacobs. And quite quite frankly, I've written this a couple of different places. I kind of I, I, I'm I would make a crystal ball pick for him. I'm not averse to making them in general. The only reason I have not made one just yet is because when I spoke to him, it became very clear to me. He's down to a Final Four. Auburn, TCU, Tennessee, and Kansas. Kansas and Tennessee are the two. And I don't necessarily think KU has a specific lead over Tennessee at this point. Tennessee offered him on August 4th. Tennessee has some ties with him. I believe his uncle played on the Tennessee National Championship winning 
football team. Uh, and, and the coach at the time of Tennessee was currently Tennessee's athletic director. There is a very, very strong, uh, a very strong relationship right there. And uh, again, that's been written about on our website. So I think Kansas and Tennessee are absolutely uh, uh, the top two in his recruitment. And I think it'll be very interesting. This is your quintessential KU basketball late riser. They find a guy he's going to shoot up the rankings, not because KU offered him, but because people are going to see more and more from him. Now he may tail off during his senior year. You may never hear from him again, and he may end up committing to a smaller school because all four of the schools get with him and say, actually, you're not who we thought you were. But that's not the sense I get from him. The sense I get is that if he makes grades, if everything works out the way he described it to me, I think he has the chance to develop in time not to become Frank Mason because no one will probably ever do what Frank Mason did over a four-year, like his growth from year one to year four is uh, insane in the context of the history of college basketball to become the unanimous uh, kind of consensus national player of the year after being a, a three-star, you know, three Townsend committed, whatever. That, that's not going to be the case. But I do think in time he could turn into a really, really, really nice player. So again, look for a couple more stories on his recruitment. I think there's a lot to be excited about with him. And just if you watch his, his uh, he's got like huddle film or highlight film. I think it's like his second or third clip. Like you see him just take this ridiculous step back jumper and the form is not perfect. Uh, it, there, there's a lot of work that, that needs to be done with him. At the same time, that's the type of kid the KU, the, the KU staff has made a living off of. Just kind of finding him, uh, finding the right kid and saying, we'll work with you to get your skills where they need to be. We see that you compete on both ends and all over the court. We can work with that. It's exactly how they found Frank Mason, the Fab 48, Las Vegas, back gym. Same exact tournament, in fact, uh, where they found this kid. So uh, I think there's a very, very good chance uh, that if KU doesn't land you know, one of the top guys in the class, like if Trey Mann committed to Kansas, I don't think they'd be getting Isaac McBride. But if a couple of things fell through, wouldn't shock me at all if he ended up in Kansas. I think actually he is the perfect person for this 2019 recruiting class because as we've said throughout this podcast now, if you have more in Dotson coming back, you don't necessarily want to take the ball out of their hands, especially with Dotson if he comes back being a sophomore and Charlie Moore than being, if I'm I'm blanking now on his year, but a junior or senior. He'll uh, be a junior next year. A junior next year. So then you have two years left of him. So I think that he could work too, because then what happens is his freshman year, he can, you know, he won't play a ton and they can really work on him specifically. Kind of like what, again, making the Frank Mason comparison, kind of like what happened with him where he doesn't play a ton his freshman year. And then maybe his sophomore year gets a little bit more and then consistently makes jumps year after year to where senior year again, maybe he's just a solid big 12 point guard. And that's what you would expect and what you could want out of a guy that's not even in the top 300. Yeah, let me let me just say one more time. Going back through his huddle footage because it is like some of the most fun footage that's like out there, and it's a it's a high school you know highlight tape. His first one is just a straightaway pull up three from NBA range. Then he has a put back dunk head on or put back lay in head on the rim. Basically, his third clip is a, a four point play where a guy takes out his legs, and you'll you'll see it in his form. He's got work to do on it. He then explodes to the rim on the next highlight, driving right, and, and on the one after that does the same, except that time dishes is off, dishes it off. And then the fifth one is that ridiculous step-back jumper that I was talking about. And it's just funny because you could see one of the high school coaches. Uh, I assume it's the coach on defense kind of at the bottom of the screen 
and he's just got his arms out. Like, come on. Like, what, what is this dude doing? His percentages were pretty solid in high school, too. So uh, I think it's Curtis Townsend who originally found him. Again, that is who found Frank Mason. Uh, it, it, it's just kind of funny, the similarities between the two of them. Not calling Isaac McBride Frank Mason, but boy, oh boy, like his highlight tape, it is worth the, the price of admission alone. If you're listening to this, find the article about it because I will put his highlight tape in there. It is so much fun to watch and just be like, yeah, that probably isn't what his shot's going to look like at the next level. You can bet that Kate Curtis Townsend is going to work on that. But at the same time, it's just so much fun to watch. So uh, I think he is definitely a name to know. Uh, let's end it here. We, we can do this. Let, let's give a loose prediction of the KU point guard situation in 2019. So where I'm at right now, if Devon Dotson stays, let, let's do it both ways. If Devon Dotson goes, I think it increases KU chances for a guy like Trey Mann. I think it increases the chances they could get Trey Mann and RJ Hampton together or even Cole Anthony. It wouldn't shock me then if they got RJ Hampton and uh, Isaac McBride. I think the same could be true if uh, if Devon Dotson were to stay. I think there's a possibility they could get both guys, but that would require a lot of buy-in from McBride, which, again, he's a prideful guy too. All these guys are. They are elite, elite athletes, whether or not they're ranked in the top 100 or top 500. So that would require significant buy-in from him to say, I'm willing to put myself in that situation. Um, and, and the same for RJ Hampton to say, or Cole Anthony or whomever to say, I'm going to play alongside two other point guards when I view myself as a point guard. So that's kind of where I see things. I think your ideal case for KU is adding RJ Hampton and Isaac McBride, especially because McBride could go somewhere else and end up being nothing. And then you could listen back to this podcast and be like, wow, Scott, what an idiot. He thought this top 350 guard was going to be whatever. I just look at Bill Self's track record, right? I mean, what he did with Frank Mason, what he did with Devontae Graham, then remember, that was the last two years. Like They were in back-to-back recruiting classes, and those guys became National Player of the Year candidates. I don't believe there's a better coach in college basketball in terms of turning combo guards into and pairing them together and, and creating them as kind of these leaders who, who just run things for your teams. You saw that with Malik Newman. There was thought when he came into college that he could be a point guard. He can't. That's, that's not his game, and when he was, it didn't work at KU. He couldn't. Like even spell Devontae Graham that well. Devontae Graham had to have the ball in his hands or or be on the floor for 40 minutes a game. Bill Self found the way for those two guys to work together, even though, quite frankly, neither one of them were natural drivers. Neither one of them got to the line all that much, despite seemingly kind of having the skill sets for it, especially Malik Newman. You know, Bill Self worked with them, developed them as drivers, developed them as shooters, developed them as defenders. You saw what Malik Newman did in the Elite Eight against Grayson Allen, developed them as rebounders, developed them as passers. And I, I think when you see what Bill Self does with combo guards, you, you can give him any combo guard who is a legitimate top 100 combo guard, and he's going to turn that guy into a decent college player by the end of his college career. So uh, th- those are kind of my thoughts on the class. Any, any kind of quick prediction for you on – on, on maybe where you think KU would turn or, or what you think kind of the best case would be? I think definitely the best case scenario, would, of course, it has any situation that involves landing RJ Hampton. I think the practical situation is if Dotson comes back, it would, again, as you said, it would take a lot of buy-in from McBride. But I think that from what it sounds like, from what I've read and listening to him talk, it sounds like he's the type of guy that would be willing to do that because he believes in the process of it. And I think that they would also then go get RJ Hampton if Dotson stays. If Dotson leaves, I think they also get RJ Hampton. But then I think they probably have a better chance of getting a Trey Man than another, like a Marquise Jacobs recommitting. 
All right. I think that's a good place to wrap this conversation up. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, most uh, on our latest episode of the fog.net podcast, we will be back. We will be back again next week. And you know, Swain, I, I have a, an inkling that we might be talking a little bit of KU football after the, uh, after the home opener, call it a bit of a hunch. KU taking on Nickel State uh, this Saturday at David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium. Once again, follow Michael Swain on Twitter at mswain97. I am at Chase and Scott. This has been the Fog.net podcast. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.